Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, and here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics, and Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network. They are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world this episode. We are highlighting the players at the top of our week 13 rankings in the fantasy tool at Action Network. We are discussing the guys who are high and low on and looking at how they do in our fantasy labs models. And we are speculating on some player props. Fellas, it is the week after Thanksgiving. We are officially in the home stretch. Uh, Sean, how was your holiday? Uh, It was good. Uh, Pretty chill. I I kind of wish we had that third game against the Ravens and Steelers, but 2020 took that away from us, of course. But it, it was fun, nonetheless. Oh, I wouldn't say it took it away from us. It just infinitely postponed it. <laughs> so, you know, we still have that to look forward to. As we are recording this, we are assuming that that game will be played on Wednesday night. But, uh, you know, who, who knows? Your guess is probably better than mine. Uh, Rayvon, how was your Thanksgiving? It's pretty good. Pretty chill. You know, continue to have some pie at uh, all hours of the night, some leftovers at all hours of the night. So uh, I enjoy it. I didn't abstain from pie, but I limited my pie intake. So I, I view that as a, uh, a massive victory. You know, as, as weird as last week was with all the news, uh, for some reason, everything seemed to line up for me. Uh, like I felt like a chess player who was seeing the board really well. Like uh, I crush props Uh, every week. The three of us put our favorite player props in the action network app. Sean, I know you did especially well on props last weekend. Uh, Also just betting. I made literally the biggest sports bet of my life on saints is 14 point favorites against the quarterbackless uh, Broncos, which Sean, uh, I think you referred to that as just pure gambling, but uh, whatever I I was gambling. I I felt I had a pretty big edge there. We talked about that bet uh, in that game on, the Sunday morning live show on the Action Network uh, Twitter handle. That bet worked out. Uh, with all of the news, I didn't even bother trying to make a cash game lineup until about an hour before lock. Uh, that lineup came together on the first try. It took about three minutes to make and ended up having actually a pretty decent DFS week. And then on the show last week, uh, I was on Deshaun Watson versus the Lions. That crushed. I was off Carson Wentz, despite the good matchup against the Seahawks. I was on Antonio Gibson, uh, total smash. I was off of Alvin Kamara and uh, Rayvon. We are definitely going to talk about Kamara and his receiving usage later. I was on Tyreek versus the Bucks, nailed that one. And I was off of Hopkins versus the Pats. And I think I specifically said that it felt like he would finish with around 50 yards, which was just perfection. So overall, pretty much the best week I'm going to have all year, which means this week is going to be total miserable. Uh, so something for everyone to look forward to basically just fade everything I say. Guys, let's get into it. The three quarterbacks 
at the top of our week 13 rankings, which again, you can find at Action Network. The three quarterbacks are Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't think much of a surprise there. You could maybe make an argument for, you know, one or two other quarterbacks who could get into the top three, but you know, that feels pretty consensusy. Raybon, uh, I let Sean go first last week. So this week I'm going to kick it to you. Who are you relatively high on at the quarterback position for week 13? So I, looking at the, the, the pricing on DraftKings, I think anytime you see Cam Newton, at 5,800, uh, I think you have to look at him. I know he had a terrible game uh, against the Cardinals last week, and he has he's had a few of those. But uh, you need that kind of rushing product, that rushing upside on a weekly basis. And the Chargers, um, they've been kind of they their defense hasn't really stopped anyone much of the year, even though they have some pieces. So uh, I like Cam Newton at uh, at 5,800 going against the Chargers. Sean, who are you on this week? I like Aaron Rodgers at his price point. Uh, he's 6,800. Um, no Patrick Mahomes on the slate, so don't have to worry about him. Russell Wilson is the highest priced QB, and, you know, Seattle's running it a little bit more than I would like right now. Deshaun Watson, um, you know, he's without Will Fuller. And, you know, Kyler Murray, I don't think we could trust him right now with his shoulders. So Aaron Rodgers stands out as a truly elite play, in my opinion, um, he's on fire right now. He's thrown or he's scored at least three touchdowns in five straight games. I think Alan Lazard being back helps him uh, in a huge way. Um, and the only reason he ended with, you know, just 211 yards against the bears is they didn't put up much of a fight. So he didn't really have to keep throwing, but you could tell he was on his way to, you know, 350 yards if, if he needed to. So I love him this week at 6,800 just based on the, the, the pricing of the other QBs. And the other guy is Mitch Trubisky is probably the best cheap option at 5,400. Uh, this is an easy matchup against the Lions, of course. Um, the, the Bears actually have a higher team total right now than the Chargers, Cardinals, or Falcons, uh, which is weird to say, but um, they should be able to put up points this week. And if Nick Foles is inactive again, that helps Trubisky because we don't need to worry about an in-game benching. Uh, but obviously, if, if Nick Foles is healthy enough to be active and there's QB controversy or anything like that, I'll probably back off. So Trubisky's uh, GPP only uh, play for me this week. Sean, you mentioned Rodgers, and he's popping in almost all of the DraftKings models that we have at Fantasy Labs. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, just kind of truly elite production that we've been seeing out of him recently. Uh, a guy I'm high on, and I already know that in my stomach uh, this is painful, and I want to adjust the projections down and I probably will, but I'm high right now on uh, Kirk cousins at home going against Jacksonville. Uh, the Jags have allowed the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. They're 30th in defensive pass DVOA. If you look at our Vegas dashboard, you see that the Vikings have a slate high implied Vegas total of 30 and a half points. Even if he doesn't get a lot of yards, I think he will have uh, multiple opportunities to get passing touchdowns. Uh, so he's someone I'm high on right now as a, uh, you know, as a streamable quarterback. Uh, and normally I never want uh, Kirk Cousins or anyone of that general ilk, just because I, I think they don't have enough upside. Um, but this week, uh, I think he might be someone I actually take a look at. Raybon, who are you low on? So I think we have to be a little bit careful with uh, Kyler Murray. Um, he just doesn't look quite as uh, explosive or effective since that shoulder injury. I mean, you know, the game against Seattle a couple of weeks ago was disappointing. And then to follow that up, you know, New England coming into that game, they were bottom two, three in almost every defensive metric. So this, this is not a New England defense, you know, even with Belichick um, that, that we're used to seeing and, and two straight bad performances. Now you're going against this Rams defense that uh, has been one of the best in the league all year long, top five against in points uh, versus opposing quarterbacks in fantasy. So uh, Kyler Murray at 7,600, um, you're never going to completely ignore him in, in like a tournament setting, but uh, I think it's time to kind of look at some of the other guys at the top because he's, he's in a, in a, in a stretch of the season where he just seems to be struggling. And it's probably, probably something to do with that, uh, with that shoulder. Sean, I have a feeling that <clears throat> you might've just gotten sniped there. I definitely got sniped. Uh, Murray was uh, the guy I was going to talk about. Uh, I mean, normally uh, you would have him 
locked into the top three, maybe the number one overall fantasy quarterback. This week, I have him around number seven. Uh, and Raybon, as you mentioned, with that shoulder injury, uh, he's not throwing as well, but really he's not running as much. And, and that is the the key thing. He gets most of his value with his legs. Uh, and if he's not running, he's still, I think, a, a quarterback one, but you do have to adjust your assumptions down for him. Sean, who are you low on? Yeah, you guys sniped Kyler Murray from me. I think it's it's pretty clear that the shoulder injury is bugging him. Yeah, I thought, you know, he'd probably run the ball more and he'd still have a pretty high floor, but that doesn't appear to be the case as well. So we, we kind of have to stay away from him, especially at 7,600 against this Rams defense. The other guy I, I'm a bit low on, comparatively speaking, would be Josh Allen. Um, I'm just downgrading him a tad after his dreadful performance against the Chargers. Um, he's obviously a very volatile player and could bounce back as the QB one this week, but you know, we're probably not debating like, you know, Freeman, you and I, sometimes we accidentally have him projected as a QB one overall. And we're kind of double checking things. He's, he's pretty solidly in the mid QB one range right now. Um, he's, he's more like the Josh Allen we remember from last year than this, you know, MVP candidate from early in the season. I think one of the things that we need to consider is, you know, without John Brown, he does seem to lack that true ceiling. Um, you know, he's averaged 26.6 fancy points with John Brown in the lineup and only 18.4 fancy points without John Brown, which is still good. But I think it's it's one of those things where John Brown might be that key to unlocking his ceiling. So I'm a bit low on him. The next couple weeks, he has a, a tougher matchup against the, the Niners who have Richard Sherman back. They look like they're coming back to life. And then he has the Steelers next week. So just downgrade your expectations for him. You got to start him, obviously. But um, hopefully he'll be back to his his elite self come fancy playoffs, and hopefully he'll get John Brown back by then. All right, one guy we haven't mentioned, uh, Taysom Hill. And I am imagining, Sean, that maybe the quarterback prop for Week 13 has to do with Taysom Hill, but maybe not because we've, we've kind of been down that road before, uh, and maybe it would be a little too embarrassing to Chris Raybon if we uh, talked too much about Taysom Hill. But, uh, Sean... Give us the quarterback prop for week 13, which by the way, I should, I should say I'm, I'm cutting back in. I should say that everyone should check out the fantasy labs prop tool where the props with the bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate over the past two years. And of course, when player props are posted, you can bet them at bet MGM. Okay, Sean, give us the prop. Taking a break from saints props this week. So it's not Taysom Hill. It's uh, Deshaun Watson, his passing yards this week against the Colts without Will Fuller, without Randall Cobb, without Kenny Stills. What are we doing with him? Um, I have his over-under set at 272.5. This is one of the rare instances in which I will be taking an under on you, Sean, but uh, it's pretty close. I have it at 268.5. I have it a little bit higher than that, so I'll go – I'm good. Yeah, I'm going to go under, but just by a hair. Um, I had it just by a hair, but I'm going to lower it about a tenth. If I lower his uh, YPA by a tenth, it goes under. So I'm going under. The Colts are a tough matchup, um, and that's a, that's a lot of firepower to lose when you're talking about not only uh, Will Fuller, but also Kenny Stills, who was a pretty reliable uh, wide receiver for. Now you have Kiki QT, um, who's more of a slot receiver, so just a different type of receiver that they're kind of subbing in there um, in, in this rotation. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Okay, let's talk about the running backs uh, who are at the top of our rankings at Action Network. Uh, our top three, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, and James Robinson. Uh, I think you can make a case for a couple of other guys. Uh, Austin Eckler looked great in his return to action last week. Aaron Jones, as a, a big home favorite, could be a guy who uh, you know potentially sneaks into the top three there. But Raybon, who are you high on? at the running back position this week? For me, I think it, it's still James Robinson, you know, at fifth highest price running back on DraftKings at 7,300. Um, and they're, they're just not putting him in that elite tier with, you know, Cook and Henry, who 
are 2200 and 1900 uh, more expensive respectively so uh, until they're doing that you know i'm going to continue to play him uh, in cash games i think you know you look at jacksonville and they're feeding him they they use him just like essentially derrick henry's used in in tennessee except with more pass game usage uh so i really like james robinson uh, Minnesota, that defense, not quite the same as it's been, um, you know, under Mike Zimmer. We're seeing that week after week. So um, as a focal point of this offense, I, I love James Robinson, especially at 7,300. Yeah, with you there. I mean, I, I feel like every week you basically at this point have to lock Robinson into the top five. And even thinking about next year, who knows, because it will probably be a new coaching staff. And, you know, who knows if the new coaching staff values him that way. But uh, I mean, assuming he stays there and the coaching staff likes him. He looks like a, a first round pick in 2021 uh, redraft leagues. Sean, who are you high on this week? Well, this might be the most excited I've ever been being able to play David Montgomery at DFS at 5,500, but he's facing the lions uh, who have allowed the most fancy points to opposing running backs. The Bears are actually a three-and-a-half-point favorite against the Lions, so they should run the ball a ton. I mean, Montgomery's really their only running back. Sure, you know, Cordell Patterson might see a few carries in this game, but, you know, Montgomery's going to get close to 100% of the, the backfield work. He finally broke a big game. He, he looked pretty good on that 57-yard run against the Pack. Uh, you know, so maybe we'll get big volume and efficiency for Monty for a change. Um, ran a route on 74% of dropbacks, which is why, you know, he, he had a pretty good line of five catches, 40 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's, that's a pretty elite rate for running back. We could project him for close to three to four catches if he keeps that up. So love Monty this week at that price. And the other guy is, uh, Naheem Hines. Um, he's 5,300 at Houston. He will obviously be a free square play if for some reason Jonathan Taylor can't suit up again this week, but you know, I'm expecting Taylor to return and that, that should suppress, Hines ownership. Um, but, you know, I, I consider Hines a pretty high floor ceiling player, even when Taylor's in the lineup. Um, you know, obviously Taylor's return will lower his projection in my model, but, you know, Hines still has that high floor given he's going to see all the passing down work. And then, you know, the Colts use a hot hand approach at running back. So he still might end up being the leading back in carries this week. So he still possesses that really high ceiling. So he could be a, a sneaky play this week at 5,300. Okay. One guy that I'm high on. And uh, I mean, I feel like this is my third week in a row mentioning him, but I'm going to keep on doing it. <laughs> Antonio Gibson. Uh, and this is not a good spot for him. I freely admit that at Pittsburgh, uh, the Steelers are very good against the run. So it's not a good spot, but uh, I am still high on him. And he's really starting to emerge, especially in the receiving game. Uh, last week, he had a season high seven targets and we know, I think at this point, how explosive he is uh, and the fact that he will be used heavily in the running game. Um, but if he's starting to carve out more of a role in the receiving game, you know, since the week eight by, he has four targets per game uh, and he was a wide receiver in college. So I think he does have that three down skill set. We are starting to see it if he is starting to be used in a well-rounded way, even in a tough matchup against the Steelers, I think he will have an elevated floor. And the fact is, he's getting goal line, cut, uh, goal line touches. I mean, he has 11 touchdowns in 11 games. So it's not like he's an automatic bet to score a touchdown, but he is almost as good of a bet to score a touchdown especially given that he's on a bad team and he's still scoring touchdowns. He's almost as good of a bet to score touchdowns as any other player in the league. So I really like Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think he's right up there with James Robinson in terms of rookie running backs who look like they could be really good for a number of seasons moving forward. Like him for this week. Raybon, who are you low on? So this is going to depend on whether Jacobs suits up, but I, I'm down on both Raider running backs. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs, if he plays at the Jets or uh, if he's out Devontae Booker uh, at 5,500, I think he'll get a lot of ownership, but uh, this Jets defense, you know, the one thing that they can do respectably well uh, is stop the running game. Uh, They're allowing just a 3.51 adjusted line yards per carry uh, and we saw in that Miami game it seemed like every time the a Dolphins running back you know went you know took a carry against the Jets they ended up fumbling 
So it's just kind of a tough situation where um, the Raiders haven't been running the ball as well this year as, as we've expected. You know, Derek Carr's had a great season for the most part, but um, that running game hasn't quite been the same. So I think if Booker, if Jacob sits out and Booker plays, it's going to be a little bit of a, of a trap. Um, and if Jacobs plays, you know, he's way overpriced, I think at 7,400 uh, in this kind of matchup. So um, not a fan of the Raider running backs at the New York Jets. Sean, who are you fading? So, well, I agree with pretty much everything you said about Antonio Gibson. I, I think he's a fade this week. Uh, just just because, you know, he's 6,800. That's the ninth, ninth most expensive running back. Everybody's going to want to play him this week. Everybody's going to want to play him. But he's playing the, the Steelers, so you have to take that into account. And, you know, Pittsburgh might be coming off a glorified bye week. We'll see in the next couple of days. But, you know, I think you fade him this week. Uh, you lower your expectations a bit. But going forward, I think he could be an RB5 type play just because, like you said, his, his receiving usage went way up. His routes run per dropback actually went up to 61%, doubling J.D. McKissick's. And I was saying, you know, once that happens, he's a top five running back. So I think everything's happening at once, but he has his bad matchup. So I think this is the last week I think I'll ever fade him. But going forward, I mean, he has – you know, the, the Niners, Seahawks, and then the Panthers. So, you know, he's going to be playing the Panthers in the fantasy football finals. And I, I really think he could be, you know, top three, top five back. So I'm that high on him. But having said that, I think he's a, he's a fade this week in DFS. Yeah, I, Sean, I, and I get it. It's it's prudent. I'm I'm way too high on him. Uh, and a Where lot do you of have it, him ranked right now? Number five. Okay. Like that's, that's aggressive. I know that's aggressive and I will probably need to make adjustments throughout the week. Uh, and honestly, part of it might be based on um, the Vegas totals, uh, like the assumptions that I have in there. Cause some of that honestly might be wrong uh, because the, the Steelers as of recording, like they haven't played yet. Uh, yeah. And so not all of the lines are, are posted. So I could see uh, just whenever that is updated within my models that that ends up uh, adjusting. Him yeah. Down. I have the, I have the uh, football teams team total at 17 right now. Yeah. Yeah. I so think maybe I'm, that's why I'm, I'm probably way lower. Yeah. I think I'm a little bit yeah. higher on that. And so I, th- I think that will adjust down, but still uh, I'm, I'm going to be pretty optimistic on him uh, just because of his natural talent. And then the role he has within that offense. Okay. Sean, give us the player prop. Uh. We're going to go with Austin Eckler's receiving yards. (laughs) And, you know, the thing about this game was he was supposed to be limited. So, of course, he gets 14 carries and uh, 11 catches. So, it makes it a bit tricky projecting what he'll have in a full roll this week, potentially. But um, right now, I have his projection at – well, let me set the line for you guys. I'm going to have to maybe make it a little bit higher, but – you're uh, his, manually adjusting it up. Well, right. yeah, I, it's so early in the week. How, how can you have a projection for this yet? But um, I'm going to set the line at uh, 46 and a half receiving yards. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How much did you inflate it by relative to your projection? Uh, just, just a few yards. Yeah. Uh, I will still go over. Uh, I will be the, uh, the Eckler optimist here and I will, I will go over. Uh, I think he's basically – Christian McCaffrey light. Uh, and, um, you know, I don't want to say that you just like automatically project him for like an 18% target share or something like that, but he has that well within his range of outcomes. So uh, I will take the over here. Yeah, I'm going over as well. It's not only that he has that, you know, five plus catch potential, but um, just throughout his career, he's actually been one of the most efficient running backs in terms of yards per reception, um, so in my model, I think he actually may be the running back with the highest yards per reception, which is a very, it's yeah. not a stat that it, it regresses to the mean a lot. So um, that's actually saying a lot for a running back to kind of separate himself in that. So um, he doesn't necessarily even need, uh, you know, to hit catch expectations um, because he's very good at making big plays on those catches. So yeah, I'm going over. Yeah. And yeah. Raybon, you're, you're right there. Year in and year out, he's one of the most efficient running backs in the league at turning targets into yards. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's a big part of it. He doesn't really even need all that many targets. That said, I yeah. still think he's going to get targets. Yeah. I was going to say, he's actually the second highest, um, in terms of, um, yards per catch in my model. Alvin Kamara is the top, um, but uh, Kamara needs catches to, to get that, you know, so <laughs> I hear, I hear, I hear Kamara does need catches. 
Yeah, he needs to catch the ball for that to matter. Sean, glad you you brought that up. It was very fortuitous. That reminds me that uh, I forgot to say that I'm down on Alvin Kamara once again this week. Uh, Big surprise. Uh, I still think that he's an RB1. Uh, If you have him, you still play him. But we have a situation now, and granted, uh, you know, the first game, with Taysom Hill was Taysom Hill's first NFL start. So maybe that's not representative. And uh, reportedly the saints last week did change their offensive game plan. Once they knew that they were going to be going against a uh, practice, squad, practice squad wide receiver uh, playing the quarterback position. So honestly, maybe the two games that we've seen uh, out of Taysom Hill, maybe those aren't representative. And I would expect that we see this week, more than, you know, one and a half targets going to Alvin Kamara. But, you know, that said, uh, in two games, he has three targets, which he is leveraged into negative two yards receiving. So not a great look uh, for the Taysom Hill offense uh, in terms of what it means for Alvin Kamara, because if he's not getting his targets, uh, then his floor is significantly weakened. So again, if you have him, you still start him. Uh, I think you still have to rank him as if he's a, an RB one, but you just have to, you know, be aware that there is significant downside with him. Uh, Raymon, I know last week we had a pretty lively conversation on Kamara and his receiving workload. What are your thoughts now that we've seen two games out of Taysom Hill? So the issue coming into last week was that if you looked at his route run, um, him and Latavius split them in that first matchup against the Falcons, 37% each. So my whole thought was, okay, he's going to rebound in that area. Taysom Hill threw, I think it was 23 passes in that first matchup, which is down obviously from, from Breeze, but you figure, okay, he's going to rebound. And he, he actually did. He, put, he ran 64%, around 64% of the dropbacks compared to uh, 36 for Murray, which is – Uh, More so in line with Kamara's usage. Uh, Murray's playing a little bit more, um, period. But the problem is Taysom Hill, the volume is so far down that you are going to now reduce uh, Kamara's receiving usage, not based on the routes, uh, you know, percentage-wise, but just based on the fact that you're not expecting Taysom Hill to throw as many passes. So, yeah, I have Kamara in that three, three three-and-a-half catch range now, um, which is significantly down, and that's based on – uh, the Saints just not throwing the ball as much. So I think it. I think the game plans will essentially even out. That was encouraging last week, but um, the bottom line is if Taysom Hill's throwing the ball, you know, anywhere from 15 to 25 times a game and Drew Brees was throwing it, you know, anywhere from like 30 to 40, uh, then there's going to be a dip. So, Rayvon, you said around three, three and a half receptions yeah. is what you're thinking for yep. Kamara. And, and granted, it, it, it's early in the week, so that could change. Uh, Sean, does that kind of fall in line with what you are roughly thinking right now? Yeah, I, I have him projected, you know, right around three catches. You know, last week we have to throw the entire game out on both sides. We can't really evaluate that game because, you know, Saints didn't have to do much. Uh, you call that one, Friedman, by the way. Uh, but, yeah, I just think with, with Kamara, it, it doesn't – he doesn't jive as much with Taysom Hill. You know, I mentioned last week that Taysom Hill is probably more likely to pull it down and run than dump it off to Kamara. And we haven't even seen the design screens to Kamara that I thought we'd see. Um, So if it's based on just improvisation, I don't think Kamara's going to see much work. And it does make sense to just, you know, pound Latavius up the middle when defenses have to worry about Taysom, you know, uh, scrambling on the edges. You know, Latavius Murray and Taysom Hill is a pretty dynamic combo. And I'm just worried about Kamara's rushing upside as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm pretty low on Kamara in both in terms of rushing and receiving production still. NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 
Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now back to the show. All right, let's talk about the wide receivers that we have at the top of our rankings. Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs. Uh, you can maybe make some arguments for uh, some other guys who could be in the top three. Uh, Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson. Uh, all of those guys are in the top six for us. So they're, they're knocking on the door. Rayvon, who are you high on this week? I'm going with uh, Brandon Cooks. Uh, you look at the Houston Texans, and I mean, they got, they're essentially down two wide receivers. And, you know, I know it's a tough defense in Indianapolis, but somebody's got to catch the ball, and, you know, for, for Houston. So I, I'm going with Brandon Cooks here just because I think uh, Deshaun Watson, he's, he can make plays kind of improv- improvisational wise. And you look at Indianapolis and these last couple weeks, and, you know, they've got against some, you know, explosive number one receivers, Devontae Adams and A.J. Brown. And those guys have put up numbers. Um, and I think it's part to do with, um, you know, just kind of the scheme and, and the quarterbacks and, and part to do with those wide receiver skills. But um, Brandon Cooks just has the potential for such a huge target share that uh, I'm willing to fade the matchup here, especially, you know, he's 5,600, which is usually kind of that wide receiver two, three pricing anyway. So um, you're potentially getting, you know, that number one wide receiver production uh, at a, a discounted cost anyway. Sean, who are you high on this week? I'm pretty high on uh, Den- Denzel Mims. Um, he- he's still way too cheap at 4,100. Last week, I- I'm still hitting myself. I-, I shied away, even though liking, I think he was like 3,500 or something ridiculous. I shied away just due to the tough matchup, but he was still able to post a pretty solid four-catch, 67-yard game uh, against the Dolphins. Has a great matchup this week against Vegas. Um, obviously, you know, Crowder and Perryman cap his floor ceiling. A bit, but, you know, he has legit wide receiver two, three potential if one of them were to ever go down. But, you know, in the meantime, I, I still think he's way too cheap, even with the crowded receiving room um, at 4,100 with this matchup. Uh, he's, he's way too talented uh, to keep under wraps for much longer. And then the other is a pretty obvious play, in my opinion, is Robert Woods at 5,900 against the Cardinals. I mean, this isn't rocket science here. He's, you know, he's coming off a 14 and 11 target game stretch. Um, his floor ceiling combos is way too high for this price. He had a massive 13 catch 172 yard game against Arizona last year. Uh, it just seems way too pr- uh, cheap at this price. Yeah. Sean, as, as you mentioned uh, in the two games last year against Arizona, he did really well. And, uh, and one of those really was specifically shadowed um, by Patrick Peterson. And that wasn't much of a hindrance. So I uh, expect that he will be shadowed again. Peterson has been shadowing for uh, much of the past uh, five games. So he probably will run a lot of routes against Peterson, but I I honestly don't know how much that's going to matter. And uh, also to your point about Denzel Mims, uh, I think his matchup might be even a little bit better than we would normally get going against uh, the Vegas Raiders because Damon Arnett, uh, one of their starting cornerbacks has a concussion. Uh, And so if he's out, that means he's going to be uh, running routes against backup Isaiah Johnson, uh, who's a, a fourth round second year backup, uh, has 119 uh, NFL coverage snaps in his career and a 38.7 PFF coverage grade this year. Uh, like that's a very winnable matchup, uh, even though Mims is a rookie. Uh, I, I think Mims would have a pretty clear edge there. So uh, I definitely like both of those calls. Um, a guy I am really high on as Justin Jefferson. Um, And this dovetails with uh, the Kirk Cousins call. The Jags are without four of their top five cornerbacks. Uh, Maybe some of those guys will return. So definitely keep an eye on that. But even when those guys are out there, the Jags are still not good uh, against the pass. And uh, if Adam Thielen is out once again, of course, also have to keep an eye on that. But assuming Thielen is out, uh, I mean, Jefferson should once again be targeted very heavily. He had 13 targets last week without Thielen, two touchdowns. Normally it's Thielen getting the touchdowns, uh, but in his absence, Jefferson is just getting everything. Uh, and since moving from the slot to the perimeter in week three, Jefferson trails only Tyree Kill with 848 yards receiving. Uh, I mean, on the perimeter, he really has been one of the best wide receivers in the league. He's not getting all of the touchdowns, uh, but he's getting the yards. And with Thielen out, the the touchdowns could really be there. So uh, Jefferson, 
is someone I really like with this matchup. Raybon, who are you low on? DeAndre Hopkins. You look at the matchup, they're going against the Rams who have the cornerbacks and there's the defensive scheme to limit him. And then his quarterback um, has been a little bit iffy and that's just a bad combination. And then you start looking back through his game logs and the big games, uh, you know, recently Detroit, that's a pretty bad defense, 137 yards. The Jets, 131 yards, another bad defense. Seattle in week seven, 103 yards. That's a bad defense. And then Buffalo, he had 127, but remember he needed that Hail Mary uh, to get there. He would have had a pretty, you know, kind of pedestrian line uh, in that game as well. And then the other games, you have New England, 55 yards on five catches. The week before that, Seattle, the second time, 51 yards uh, on five catches. Uh, And then against Miami, uh, the game before the the Buffalo game, three catches, 30 yards. So uh, he's kind of been trending down and or, you know, taking advantage of great matchups. This is neither. And his quarterback, again, is just not quite right. So uh, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is quite worth, um, you know, that that top tier wide receiver price uh, in cash games um, and deserves to be in the same tier with with Devontae and Metcalf uh, and Keenan Allen. Uh, I think he's more in, you know, kind of going down. He should probably be in the in the 60s, uh, six six thousands this week. But uh, he's 7,800. Uh, that's too high. Raybon, it's almost as if you are looking at the outline, uh, which honestly, no, I, I don't. I, I know, I know you don't. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Hopkins, he's he's the guy uh, that that I have there too. And and you touched on uh, everything. I'll add one thing here: uh, the tough matchup against Jalen Ramsey. It's not as if he's going against just the best cornerback in the league. He's going against the best cornerback in the league who has shadowed him like every year for the past four years. So like Ramsey knows him like they, like they have battled, uh, you know, for years since their days in the AFC South. And most of the time, Ramsey has gotten the better of him a couple of, of times. Hopkins has gone off, um, but most of the time. Ramsey has been able to hold Hopkins in that 50-ish yard range. And I think once again, that is probably where we're going to see Hopkins, like knowing that he does have the ability to pop off for a big game, uh, but it's more likely than not that Ramsey does a pretty good job of bottling him up. So uh, I'm entirely with you there. I view Hopkins as more of a wide receiver two with upside uh, than a wide receiver one. Sean, who are you low on? Well, this this guy kind of depends who starts at quarterback for the Dolphins this week, but I'm lower on Devontae Parker, um, especially if Tua suits up. I think it's it's pretty clear by now that when Tua starts, Parker, you know, sees a pretty significant drop-off. And when Fitzmagic is in there, you know, I give him a huge boost. Uh, but either way, you know, the, the Dolphins should be able to beat the Bengals this week with a pretty run-heavy game plan. They're favored by, I think, 12 points right now. Um, and all their running backs might actually be healthy this week. So I think it's it's a great week for them to just have a more run-heavy approach. And again, if, if Tua starts, I think I, I'm clearly fading him here. And then the other guy is uh, Keenan Allen, who, you know, I've been treating as just an autoplay in DFS. I, I've been projecting him close to eight receptions these past few games. But I think with Austin Eckler back, it does cut into his – um, target share enough to, to to lower him down to maybe wide receiver you know eight this week which is enough for me to at least have some pause at 8100 um, and you know Herbert attempted 51 passes last week they, they usually have massive volume I think on the other side of the ball you have the Patriots playing this run heavy offense that might kill the clock a bit and lower their, their overall volume so you know Keenan Allen's the, the type of player where just a, a slight decrease in his volume is going to send him down my rankings quite a bit. So I'm a bit lower on Allen this week. Yeah, Sean, I'm, uh, I'm with you there. Now the prop for the wide receivers, who do we have? Uh, I mean, how the hell can we even project Terry kill at this point? Uh, it's almost impossible <laughs> to set a line for him. So I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, 91 and a half receiving yards. I will amazingly take the under. I have it closer to, uh, let's see, 84 and a half, which feels low. Instinctively, I, I want to take the over here, but uh, yeah, I go what? under. Wait, you said you had 91 and a half, Sean? Yeah, 91 and a half. 
Wow, I don't know if you're looking at all of our rankings and like making a no. very in- intelligent line. Actually, but I have I, I'm, too. <laughs> so, oh, I'm going, so you're I'm way over. over. <laughs> actually, I haven't thought of that. I could actually look at your guys' yeah. projections. No, I, I, I'm too honest to do that. Um, <laughs> I didn't peek. <laughs> no, I mean, this is Tyreek Hill. Like, this is, you know, at the beginning of the season, like, this is the one of the ones, you know, obviously got a lot wrong, got a lot right. But this is one I was kind of screaming about. Is like everyone was kind of down on Tyreek. Should we draft him in the same tier as these other top wide receivers? I mean, the, the quarterback for him and Patrick Mahomes – and you look at the matchup in which he essentially put up the most fantasy points, was it since Jamal Charles, um, I think it was, uh, in a, in, for any player. And it's against one of the top defenses in the, in the NFL. Like, this is the type of talent that Tyreek Hill has. It's like when they see a good defense uh, that can stop the run or that can, you know, plays well against the pass, they just target Tyreek Hill more, and they go more pass-heavy. So – uh, this Denver defense, another really good one, uh, but there's no cornerback in this league at this point that really can guard Tyreek Hill. Yeah, and if you think about it, his floor is super high right now, which is really scary to think. I, I would say week six was the only bad game, really. Uh, other than that, he's either had over 75 yards or a touchdown every single game. So that's just scary to think that a guy with, you know, overall, obviously, wide receiver one overall upside every week and still, you know, he has this high floor. Yeah, it's it's insane. You know, looking at this more, uh, I I'm gonna need to adjust this up because I'm I'm thinking about Rayvon. You mentioned, yeah, the the Broncos really don't have a cornerback who can stick with him, and I think that's especially the case now because uh, Bryce Callahan I think is dealing with a foot injury, and uh, he would match up much better uh, with Tyreek than AJ Boye, uh, who just doesn't doesn't have the speed. You know, and, and we saw that with uh, Carlton Davis last week. Uh, the guys who match up better with the bigger bodied wide receivers, those physical press cornerbacks, they cannot handle Tyreek Hill because he can just get by them. And and so we might have another situation like that once again this week. So, yeah, I will I will probably be adjusting this up. But um, yeah, Tyreek Hill. I mean, what what to say here? I thought the prop was going to be first quarter yards for Tyreek Hill. Yeah, <laughs> I thought you guys were going to jump on the over and say, yeah, he'll have that by the first quarter. <laughs> All right, let's look at the tight ends that we have in the Action Network rankings. Number one, Travis Kelsey. Number two, Darren Waller. And then number three, and obviously a significant drop off between number two and number three, uh, Hunter Henry. And, you know, I, I feel like I say this every week, you can make a case for maybe, you know, like five different guys uh, in that number three spot. Raybon, who are you high on this week? It's really ugly week in and week out. Uh, I think you look at TJ Hawkinson again. I mean, you know, in Detroit, there's there's not a lot of good things going on, but Hawkinson's been putting up big numbers. Uh, and the Bears are a defense that a little bit of a, of a tight end funnel. Um, we saw Tunyon get the big play against them last week. Uh, that's kind of been the norm for them. They've been really stout against receivers, and um, tight end has been one of the, the positions where they just give up a little more volume than usual. So, I mean, there's really just not many players to trust. Uh, you know, I think, you know, you look at Evan Ingram, and, you know, he's coming off a, a big game, but then you, you look at who's going to be a quarterback for the Giants and, and the fact that, um, you know, Seattle getting better on defense. Uh, it's kind of iffy. So um, I'm tempted to say Ingram, but uh, I'm going to go with, with CJ Hawkinson. All right. Well, uh, Rayvon, I am going to uh, indulge your temptation and I'm going with Evan Ingram. Uh, and, and I do have him ranked number three and I don't feel great about it. Um, but it's, I mean, as you say, it's a, a really nasty uh, position that we have here. No Daniel Jones. You know, maybe that's actually a good thing. Uh, maybe Colt McCoy actually might be a better professional passer than Daniel Jones. Uh, like not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, since week seven, we have Evan Ingram with 8.2 targets per game. And that volume is almost impossible to find at tight end. And so that for me, uh, like more than the the possibility of maybe Colt McCoy is better than uh, Daniel Jones. The volume for me is really what, what puts uh, Evan Ingram number three on the board. And uh, although he's going against the Seahawks who have Jamal Adams and uh, Quandre Diggs at safety, they still haven't really been all that good against tight ends. It's, it's pretty much an average matchup. So uh, as long as he maintains that volume, uh, I feel 
as decent as anyone can with Evan Ingram at number three. I mean, to be fair, if you talk about poor professional passers, Carson, none is none is more poor than Carson Wentz this year, and uh, seemed like the only guy that he could connect with was was Richard Rodgers and uh, and Goddard on that on that Monday night game. So yeah, yeah you're on to something there, uh, Sean. Who are you high on? Well, I, I agree with you guys that tight ends uh, a crapshoot this week. I mean, no Kelsey, no George Kittle, obviously, no Mark Andrews. Um, and Waller's priced appropriately. So why not double down on Jordan Akins this week at the same price that he was on Thanksgiving, 2,900. Um, I mean, he just missed on two touchdowns and Deshaun Watson even addressed this in his post game interview saying he's going to make up for him this week. So I'm going to take him at his word. I'm going to double down on Akins here. And, you know, like they're going to be without Will Fuller, no Randall Cobb, no Kenny Stills. So they're going to have to continue to target Akins, I think. Um, just way too just way too cheap given the tight end position this week. Uh, it, it's hard to pass him up. Yeah, we were talking before the show uh, about where are all of these targets, these routes <laughs> going to go? And you feel like, uh, I mean, since they play so many tight end sets anyway, that it would be natural for some of that to flow towards Aikens. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, you know, if you make even slight adjustments, you can uh, juice Aikens projections pretty significantly. So there's, there's upside there. Yeah. We could see the classic Kiki QT 10 catches for 33 yard type game here too. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, it's it's pretty tricky uh, projecting the Texans this week. Raybon, who are you low on? Everyone. Uh, I feel like I say this every week, but uh, uh, <laughs> if I had to pick someone in particular, I would look at Dallas Goddard because I think coming off this game against Seattle, his value is going to kind of be at, at an all-time high. I, I, we don't know if Ertz is going to be back yet. I, I think he started practicing. Uh, but Green Bay has been one of the better teams. Uh, against the tight end position and um, Richard Rogers still mixing in there a little more than you like, but also uh, I think, you know, Carson Wentz has just been so unreliable that if anything kind of goes wrong, I mean, even in this, in this last game, I mean, I think Goddard caught, what was it a fourth down touchdown pass and like it, you know, things could go really bad for Goddard and he's running a lot of routes and um, it's kind of tempting to put him up there, but uh, I think just based on Carson Wentz's unreliability, like I'm kind of downgrading all of the Philly pass catchers just a little. And then every time you see them play, it looks a little more like uh, they may go to Jalen Hurts for more than just one or two plays, which I don't necessarily think helps any anyone in Philadelphia. So uh, just, a, just a bad spot going to Lambeau. I, I, think, uh, I think they could get smashed this week. Uh, talking about Jalen Hurts, just a second, Sean, do you think this is the Jalen Hurts game? Like, do you think this is the game that he actually gets sustained snaps at quarterback? Uh, it should be, but you know, then again, last night there were times I thought they should have brought him in. So who am I to say, but yeah, I think they, it's tough. They should probably give him an entire series as opposed to just one play and taking him off. Um, but you know, it's, it's such a tough call because they're still in, this playoff race. So you're not really throwing away the season, but you know, how can you keep Wentz out there for every play like right now? So yeah, it's a tough call. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at a minimum, it was really interesting to see the, uh, the report from Michael Fabiano that uh, they were going to use, um, use Jalen hurts, uh, give him more snaps and uh, smash bet the, the unders on, on Jalen hurts. That was uh, that was nice. Sean, who are you low on at the tight end position? Raybon hit the nail on the head. It's everybody. So I'm going to have to pick a tight end I actually love, which is TJ Hawkinson. I, I just think this is a week where, you know, he's 5K. I've been using TJ pretty heavily the past few weeks, but, you know, this is earlier in the week speculation. It's possible, possible that Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola, and DeAndre Swift return this week, which, you know, Hawkinson's been competing against Marvin Hall, Quintez Cephas, even Jamal Agnew, the converted cornerback to wide receiver for targets. So, you know, just the, the target share getting more evenly distributed when these guys return will impact TJ Hawkinson's floor, which has been pretty high these past few weeks. So I'm just being a little cautious with him at 5K. It's one of those weeks where you don't really want to spend up on anybody at tight end. So he's, he's the guy 
um, you know, pending the final injury part at the end of the week, he's the guy that I think you can fade this week. All right, Sean, give us the tight end prop. Well, you hit on earlier, but it's Evan Ingram receiving yards. Uh, I was curious to hear where you guys have him projected with Colt McCoy. I, I agree that it might not matter uh, who's that quarter, quarterback. He might actually target him more than, you know, going uh, to Darius Slayton down the field. So um, right now I have his projection at uh, 45 and a half. All right. Well, I feel like I've tipped my hand here, so I will have to go over. Uh, I have it. You, Sean, you said 45 and a half. Yeah, right? 45 and a half. Yeah. Uh, disgustingly, I have this at 55 and a half. So I am way over. I need to adjust that down. I have it at uh, 42. So I'll go under. Right in the um, middle. Yeah, we don't have the updated numbers for Seattle, but they, I mean, they've been about average versus tight ends this year. I think that those numbers will go up because of Goddard and, and Rodgers. But, um, just, just looking at the quarterback situation, looking at the fact that he's coming off so many big games that at this point, maybe you look to kind of take him away a little bit more. I, I know defenses generally have been focusing in on Steve Slate. Um, I know defenses have generally been focusing in on Darius Slayton, and uh, that's why we've seen Shepard have some some decent games in Ingram, but um, Ingram's just made so much noise over these last few that I think you're going to start to see some more coverage uh, uh, rotate his way. All right. You know, random aside, I think in previous years of the show, we would end with a uh, quote unquote bold call. Uh, and we, we haven't done that this year, but since we actually have the time and since there are, you know, just uh, the three of us, let's uh, impromptu, maybe do a, a bold call for week 13, which would be something like uh, no game gets canceled this week. That's, that's my bold call. Uh, no cancellations, no postponements for week 13. Uh, a totally uh, normal or as normal as can be expected week of uh, professional football for all of the fans in week 13. Sean, I'm going to kick it to you. What is a relatively bold proclamation that you have for, uh, for week 13? Dallas Goddard will remain a top five tight end, even if Zach Ertz returns. That's a good one. And uh, very, very possible too, because uh, Zach Ertz, uh, even if he returns, uh, he might not return. Rayvon, give us a bold call. Alvin Kamara, RB1 this week. (laughs) (laughs) Overall? (laughs) I say Sean Payton's been saving him up. He just lets him loose in this game because it's the second game against Atlanta. So he has to go with a completely opposite game plan that he went in the first one. Yeah, uh, RB one on his team. I could see that. That's a that's a good <laughs> bold call. I'm just like that's nah. That, that, that's that's too easy. All right, uh, that's going to do it for this show. Be sure to check out our rankings, uh, Sean's tiers, Raybon's DFS breakdown, and my positional breakdowns. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F the Oracle. Use the app to get real time odds and track your bets for free. Please subscribe to and rate interview the show and listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. We're finished talking. <laughs> 